0: Lofton Palace. I'm Hipsville AD teaming up again. Michael Pickering here with our good friend Gregory Day, a writer, director, bookseller, and the voice behind Hipsville AD, the fanatical sect of god of subcultures and fervent ramblings of all breed of cinematic pleasures. Gregory Day, happy holidays, my friend. How are you doing out there? What you got going on? What you doing for holidays? What do what do Hipsville AD and you do for
1: holidays? <laughs> I'm feeling jolly man thanks for having me on the show again as usual. Um, What does Hipsville AD do during the holidays that's a good question. Uh, Throw back a bunch of suds and watch some uh, some flicks That's what we do here here at uh, Hipsville Um, so I'm here today to introduce to you a top 10 Christmas films uh, list for you and we're going to do this Hipsville style. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about
0: that in just a second too. <laughs> All right, why don't we jump right into number
1: ten? Yeah, number ten. We're starting off with a really underrated uh, crime thriller from the 1970s called "The Silent Partner" from 1978, starring Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer. Uh, this is the tale of a of a uh, a bank clerk who's working you uh, know you know in a mall bank and he's tr- trying to think about how he's going to scheme. Um, some cash out of the bank when he realizes there's a Santa Claus working in the mall who's been scoping out the joints and then finally when the Santa Claus goes and pulls his his bank robbery he skims a little off the top while um Uh, during during the robbery and so once the once Christopher Plummer who plays the robber figures this out that he is basically ripped him off who was ripping off the bank uh decides he's going to make this guy's life a living hell and now we get this uh one of the great crime Christmas thrillers uh it kind of veers into horror some really nasty moments in this film as uh Plummer terrorizes uh Elliot Gould but uh yeah this is a great uh great introduction into alternative Christmas movies
0: alternative christmas movies is is, is surely right but this one this one like it starts off so for listeners out there i'm 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 queuing up the trailers i'm ready to go i'm like yeah gregory day got some christmas flicks for me and then starts off and santa claus is running with a gun and shooting people at them all and i'm like oh here we go i was like all right 1970s i get this i get this but this definitely like gave me suspense thriller christmas killer story and like (laughs) So I I separate, like, suspense thriller from horror. Mm -hmm. Like, they can be overlapping, sure, but not all suspense thriller is horror. And, like, this one was kind of, like, gripping and suspenseful. And, uh, like, the creepy person on the phone and uh, the silent partner, I was like... I was like, oh, this would give me so much anxiety. I was like, this is not the right Christmas movie for me because I get so much anxiety already from Christmas, Mm -hmm. so I don't need this. Um, But it did look good, and I always like a little throwback to the 70s. There was so much goodness coming out there that we just, we don't even think about anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, and what we got for coming in at number nine? Yeah, number nine, uh, eight and seven, kind of my little trio of films that, uh, to me, best illustrate the Circus of Christmas time. Um, And so we're starting off with uh, Day of the Beast at number nine from 1995. This is a film that we've talked about before on this show. I thought Uh, so. Yes, Yeah, it's like a Spanish action horror comedy about a priest who teams up with a heavy metal record store clerk and a sham TV occultist uh, as they try to chase down all these uh, weird threads of evidence that the Antichrist is going to be born on Christmas Eve. Um, It's set in in Barcelona. And so is this the... It's just them kind of like running through the city dealing with all kinds of different people and it's the mad rush of holiday shopping all of the uh, you know decorations and parades and all these things they got to get through as they're trying to save the world uh but it's also a film that kind of had for, for its time in 1995 kind of starting to um address like nationalism rising in spain and just uh, media culture and all these things so it's all this film kind of wraps up everything, the hysteria Christmas time, all into one big bundle as these three guys try to uh, save the world. I, I
0: thought I remembered this flick. And goodness, when I started queuing up and I was like, Christmas, Christmas, boom, I was like, oh, my God, I was like, it, craziness ensues. And it, like, this shit is just so fucked up. It was so fucked up. I mean, like, people I might advise watching this one, if you want to watch a crazy Christmas movie, because this is, it's amazing. You know, it's like, I love it. At the end of the trailer, you have the two priests that are talking and they're like, oh, can, can we do this? Can we bear the weight of the cross? And it's like, yes, we can bear the weight of a cross. And then boom, a huge <laughs> cross just comes down and slams and kills the priest. And the other one's yeah. just looking at him it's like, well, I guess I can bear the weight of the cross, you know, and it's just like. <laughs> a- like it's like damn It's like yeah it was so 90s i miss the 90s or or i think i do although who
1: knows who knows All right. <laughs> yes. uh, what you got for number eight my friend yeah number eight uh can, on in this circus feel is batman returns from 1992 uh another film i think we've talked about here uh it's my favorite batman movie uh it's the weirdest batman movie i think um but yeah it's just um you know, weird plot of the Penguin, who's pissed off for being a freak, it takes his revenge out on Gotham's wealthy class, and then you have Catwoman, who's a victim of the wealthy class, who's getting her revenge on them, and then you have Batman, who is kind of just there uh, and also participating and being in Gotham's wealthy class. Um, but it's, I think, this setting this movie at Christmas just kind of best illustrates gotham city and batman and a bunch of people running around dressed as clowns and animals and it just helps uh elevate all of that into this preposterous and absurd world um that these characters inhabit and so um i think this is you know this is a tim burton film and it works just it works perfectly um during christmas because of its uh strange aesthetic and so I had to put this on here because i don't can't think of another movie um that illustrates this uh quite as you know the the, the strangeness of christmas quite as well as this one it's
0: been a while since i've seen this wonderful ball of cheese and i call it that in a so loving way because i still think this is like the best catwoman we've gotten and this was like 30 years ago oh absolutely and i mean yeah. like like it was so again 90s to me it's like comic book movie and catwoman is coming on and taking like the serious tone and like she's fighting with batman and you're supposed to think like batman's like this oh he's batman and then catwoman just Kicks him in the balls, and I'm like, yes, I forgot that was actually part of the movie. I was like, damn, that's this film. Um, and I agree with you, Tim Burton like creates a world in here. This is still my favorite Gotham City that any Batman movie's ever been created in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Christmas aesthetic is just so so killer because it it kind of draws you into this world that you're not a part of, but it gives you something Christmas that you are familiar with. So like you kind of feel more a part of it, and then you have the penguin with, with an army of penguins, like march of the penguins with rockets <laughs> on their fucking back. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, like, yeah. it's like, ah, oh, great choice, yeah, yeah. Great, and great think,
1: choice. And I think in a certain way, also the Christmas aesthetic also, uh, as I'll talk about this a little more in some other of the pics here, but also um, accentuates the loneliness of the movie because the penguin is a lonely figure, Catwoman is a lonely figure, and so is Batman. They're all c- trying to connect. And it's just this, this time of year where everyone's getting together um, you know, it just uh, exacerbates the feeling of loneliness in these characters. Oh, I dig that. I love that deep take. Yes, I do.
0: Um, because I, I see a common theme amongst your picks is that Christmas is all, not all jolly holly holly <laughs> for everyone. Um, we'll talk about that later. But this next pick, my friend, you you were gonna have to do some explaining about because I have never seen it, never heard of it. And I was just like, what the hell? Hell So go ahead, take us into your number seven.
1: Yeah, number seven, which really wraps up this little trio of circus Christmas flicks is Brazil from 1985, uh, one of Terry Gilliam's masterpieces. Um, It's a dystopian film set in a society uh, that is bureaucratic to a T, like uh, everything is stopped by paperwork, uh, there's a constant terrorism war, you can't get anything done, you, you're kind of stuck in your uh, um, your social status, um, and there's this uh, the main character is this lonely bureaucratic who's who's just dreaming of being a superhero who's flying to the city, who can save people and save himself and, and you know, um fly out of his current existence but the society he lives in which is um sort of a satirical version of 1984 um just will not let him like he can't even get his ac fixed without running through the gamut of paperwork and robert de niro's in it as a um who's considered a terrorist but he's a guy who just comes in through your window and fixes your appliances for you um, what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> yes it's, it's so it's a having said all of that it's also set during christmas and it just kind of creates this this more it just makes it more absurd and more of a circus and more uh it ostracizes the the main character even more because he's just not fitting in with everybody he's not fitting in with the with the uh, holiday spirit he's not fitting in with uh you know the job he's in and so forth and so yeah this is absolutely the craziest uh movie on this list um but i think it still speaks to a lot of the problems we have today with corporatization and government overreach and uh forever wars things like that um right i think it's does have a lot to say in it but it is one hell of a funny film so to to give listeners kind of a mental picture so I'm,
0: i'm queuing up this trailer and it opens and there's a guy well it opens in a dreamland and the guy is like flying and it's it it's like 1980s winged angel kind of feel mm. and then like it cuts away from that and it's a guy sitting in a chair sleeping with his head in a refrigerator and i'm like <laughs> okay all right this is the direction we're going with this i had no idea what was going on uh, i kind of i definitely got the feel of like uh, christmas and dystopian world and all that but we may have to check this one out together in a little <laughs> christmas watch list because i yeah. am like super
1: super interested and in, what this is really all about it's so crazy yeah, it's great yeah and if you're not familiar with Terry Gilliam is he was in Monty Python and a lot of the um that aesthetic that he was in Monty Python uh bleeds over into this the miniatures the uh, not so much the animation but you can just feel his style uh, and Michael Palin from um Python as well is one of the characters in the film yeah I definitely did got that that feel with a
0: little bit of this and a little bit of that um so yeah not surprising I like the connection all right,
1: where we're we going for number six? Yeah, six. Uh, number six and my number five choice is a little uh, mini double feature in this list as well. It's the horror double feature, uh, because uh, every holiday deserves a, a horror movie de- dedicated to it. Um, so the first one is Gremlins from 1984. Um, this is probably the gr- most famous uh Christmas horror film ever made. Um, it's the tale of a suburban family that gets a new pet. Uh, that's a mogwai named gizmo and uh, unlike a cat or a dog gizmo has some particular um, rules it has to live by Uh, can't be exposed to bright light it can't uh, touch water and it shouldn't eat after midnight and uh, being the irresponsible midwestern american boy that he is uh, billy the main character accidentally gets him wet and then finds out that he uh, multiplies into multiple mogwai and then accidentally feeds them uh, and they change into gremlins which terrorize the little uh little quaint american town uh for the duration of the film and so it's this uh this movie that's kind of uh about tearing down the norman rockwell idea of an american suburban town where it's this nice nice little town but they also have a uh pretty savage matriarch who's holding the town in economic uh or economic hostage and uh there's drunken world war ii vets and and it's just these gremlins who come out and just terrorize the town kind of tearing it apart um and it's a hell of a lot of fun uh but it's also it's just kind of i think in one way is a metaphor for the craziness of christmas because uh, um every great christmas movie whether they're mainstream or not all have to deal with how stressful and chaotic christmas is and there's nothing more stressful and chaotic than a bunch of gremlins tearing up your town uh that you can't control um <laughs> and so yeah i mean i think uh, other than being um you know like a live action looney tunes film this is a this is a great. Um, high energy Christmas flick. Gregory Day, I, I remember this movie being in a hell of a
0: lot scarier than it looked in this trailer. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, damn like, I hadn't even thought about Gremlins in forever, much less like looked at some cuts of it in a trailer. But like, looking at it with a 2022 lens for 1984, like it really gave me more, especially now since I've been like looking at these trailers with you for well over a year now and I, I've been exposed mm-hmm. to a lot of genre films through you it kind of did give me the feel of more of a genre horror flick of the 80s oh, yeah. mm-hmm. then you know I remember I do remember it being like this mainstream kind of horror movie but I, I wanted to ask you some now like I said like I've been exposed to more of it it's been years since I've seen it would you say Gremlins was like a mainstream movie or was it actually intended to be made and realized and viewed as in the 1980s as part of like the eighties genre
1: of horror felix? Um, I think it's a little bit of both, but it definitely wasn't mainstream release. I mean, it was produced by Steven Spielberg. Um, so oh, it was wow. definitely, you know, yeah. a studio backed film. Uh, but what I know about the movie is it, it, it wasn't intentionally uh, from its uh, inception, wasn't supposed to be this dark, wasn't supposed to be this violent. Uh, I mean, it's still, it's still PG um is it really Really? yes well to get into like at that time there was there was only pg and then there was r and so it wasn't (laughs) yes it wasn't until after this film and a few other films uh that were pushing the buttons of the rating system that they invented the pg-13 rating but um but of course the director joe dante who did the howling and he did uh the burbs later on i mean he's just very famous for making these kind of comedic subversive Americana kind of films and so when he gets involved in this film it's where it really takes on a different um tone and then he brings in the the horror elements of the puppets and um and it you know if you've never seen this film watch it if you're if you're used to CGI uh creating a million little creatures on screen check this out the gremlins are every single one of them are practical uh they're all puppets and it takes like five people to operate one gremlin at a time. And so uh, it's just a huge production um, to think about how many gremlins in this film and how many people it took to to pull all of this off. So, um, yeah. So I would say this is, a, you know, it was a smash hit when it came out. So this is a mainstream Christmas horror film that was a success when it came out in the 80s. That's so crazy to me because I do
0: remember it being huge. And I had no mm-hmm. idea it was uh, Steven Spielberg who produced it um but it kind of makes sense like even gremlins 2 was a massive like yeah all around everyone talked about it everyone knew of it so Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool i'm in some ways i'm kind of not surprised to see this one on the list (laughs) now number five i have words for but i'll I'll listen to what you got to say for it first what you got for number five
1: yeah wrapping up this little horror double feature here is black christmas from 1974. Um, this is definitely the most scary you know most terrifying film on this list uh, it's a truly frightening film. Uh, it's about um, a, soror- a group of sorority uh, girls who are leaving for the for the Christmas break, and uh, as they're clearing out of the sorority house, this maniac uh, starts calling them and harassing them and killing them one by one. And it's a truly terrifying film. Um, you know, if you're afraid of strangers getting in your house or you know watching you from from uh, you know a vantage point that you don't know, uh, harass you know harassing phone calls. Um, it's really terrifying, and just having it set during Christmas just makes it worse because the university is clearing out. Your protections on campus are are lessening. Um, the feeling of not knowing where everybody is, because the chaos of everybody vacating the university as well. Um, yeah, it's just a it's just a cold, frightening film, uh, but it is a classic. I mean, this is a pre Halloween slasher Slash. film. Yeah. You want to call it a slasher film? It's not all that bloody, but it is just abrasively terrifying. Um, so yeah, I mean, I love this film. It's a it's a hell of a ride. Um, but yeah, I had to put it on here because this is the probably the best Christmas horror film um, one can make. My friend,
0: you know I love you, right? <laughs> yes, I do. But. but this trailer and how it starts it makes me wonder why do you hate christmas like like <laughs> this film people when he said this is like mm. a, a intense film or however you phrase it yes like i would oh never in a million years would i put this on during christmas like i was scared of yeah. shit just watching this trailer i was like damn it was so so suspenseful and and uh and i agree with you the christmas and the snow it, it draws you in and it makes you feel comfortable but then it's like boom and it's like damn this is so Crazy, not cool Christmas. But then I was like, "Dude, this is so Hipsville, AD of you, you to do and put this on this list." I was like, "You always give us like the juiciest, craziest afflicts yeah. out there of all genre genres." You know, mm-hmm. um, and I loved the way this this trailer ended. So like, it, it fades to black, and they have some words of like actors, actresses, and then a voice comes on, and it says, "If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight." and i'm just like oh oh i was like who says that (laughs) i was like oh christmas man Uh, yes indeed a good good choice good choice Uh, again not surprised although i've never heard of this and it does seem scary as hell yeah yeah all right why don't you take us into your number four
1: yeah my number four movie even though it's probably not the uh, obvious choice for a lot of folks. I think it's the most straightforward Christmas movie on this list. Uh, it's Tokyo Godfathers from 2003. Um, it's a wonderful anime film from director Satoshi Kone, who did uh, Perfect Blue and Paprika, which are films known for like these mind bending, reality bending kind of uh, anime features. But this one is pretty straightforward. Um, it's about three people who are experiencing homelessness and they find uh, an abandoned baby on Christmas Eve, and they are going to try to figure out who the parents are of this baby and get it get it back to them. Um, And so it's kind of in that tradition of of holiday films where it's like a screwball comedy at times, mixes in high drama with the characters and a little bit of social realism um, into this thing where uh, it's very clear these are outcasts uh, from society um, being that they are homeless and the, each of them have different, uh, backstories and values and, and, you know, each of the scenarios kind of brings up their own, um, you know, regrets and feelings and all that stuff, but it is an adventure film. They have to get across Tokyo. They're trying to figure out what to do with this baby. Otherwise, uh, these three, these three, uh, individuals they don't know what to do with the baby they can't raise a baby on the streets and so they're really trying to make an effort um so it's a real fun movie it's a lot a lot of laugh out loud uh moments um uh, but it's a real tearjerker at times but um i think coming from a director who's famous for doing these like kind of wild um reality bending films this is just like a straight drama uh, or a straight comedy it doesn't have any real like strange realities to it or anything like that, and so. Um, if i had to pick one film on this list that would kind of be the most mainstream feeling of a of of any christmas uh, film this would be it.
0: Yeah, i know of this movie really well. Um it is super well known in anime circles and you know i watch anime and like 2003 this was definitely in my wheelhouse of i had just started a few years before and i was still watching it actively. But I've never, for whatever reason, never checked it out. So I gotta say, I, like, I'm gonna put this on this Christmas. I'm gonna find it yeah. um, somewhere. I'm sure it's probably on Hulu or Country Roll or something like that. But I mean, you literally have, like at one point the, the characters, they, they're they saying, they're like, look, we're three bums. We can't even take care of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And and it's like, you know, it has pictures of them drinking and stuff like that. But then at the end of it, it's like they are trying to get across Tokyo to save this baby, and it's like you're right. That is such a Christmas thing, um, and I like the social commentary on the fact that like it takes away a, a stereotype of homeless people and it portrays them in a very positive light as trying to do the right thing. And you know, like I, I just like that. You know, rather than just yeah. a, a stereotype of homeless people don't do anything. You know, these right. homeless people are trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: so I dig that. I dig that a lot. And like I said, I'll have to check this one out. I was a little surprised. I was like, put anime on his list? I was like, <laughs> "I was like, there you go. What a great yeah. what a great
1: Christmas list. Yeah, try to keep it a Uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: All right, where are we going for number three?
1: Yeah, so these next two are uh, another little uh, double feature within this list. This is our classic Hollywood films. So uh, number three, we have The Thin Man from 1934. Um, the Thin Man, if you're not aware of it, is a Dashiell Hammett novel, mystery detective story. Uh, but in a little different vein than his hard-nosed uh stories like the Maltese Falcon. Um this is the story of Nick and Nora Charles who are to uh wife uh, husband and wife detective team who come to New York uh for the holiday season and all they do all they plan to do is get there and drink and party for the entire holiday season. They don't want to do anything else. Um but as soon as they get there, an old friend shows up and uh and her her dad is missing. And so she asks Nick if he can look into it while he's in town and uh he really doesn't want to do it, but reluctantly he he decides to do it. And so he really wants to wrap this up and figure out uh, you know, solve the mystery as fast as he can, because he doesn't want this to really get in the way of his inebriation vacation. Um this, this is a hell so of... <laughs> 1930s. <laughs> yeah, this is a hell of a, a smart film. It's I mean, if you're looking for uh movies, if you're into movies uh like knives out and stuff like that that are that are kind of coming back around, um, The Thin Man is a perfect example of just your kind of witty, quick witted um Hollywood film the mystery isn't too heavy and uh yeah I just I love the feeling of it feeling of it because it's it's a different take on Christmas because it's not just uh about coming together and family and giving presents it's the the this married couple who are coming to town to just fuck off for the whole holiday period and just enjoy themselves um while you know, while New York is transferred into this jolly place, and so uh, it's a lot happier than most of the films on this list. Um, so I had to put it on here because it's just a hell of a fun time.
0: Yeah, and I think the the time period it's it's done in is also it's kind of cool. The the message that this film's trying to carry. So just like going muck about in New York City and just getting messed up and drunk. That's such a like a nineteen twenties thing. You know, the booming twenties, everyone's just yeah. having a good time. But the nineteen thirties. Well, 1930s, things are changing, right? You know, Mm -hmm. 1930s, you have the Great Depression coming on. And like, even though that's taking place, and a lot of horrible stuff's going on around the world at that same time, they're still like making this movie about going to the New York and New York was like putting all the Christmas decorations out and like, you know, we're just gonna have a good time and spike the punch and everything's perfect. And it's like, 1934, not everything was perfect. Most things were not perfect in the (laughs) world in 1934. Uh, So like the idea that someone comes into your your plans of a perfect world and just screws it up because real life happens, you know, someone Mm -hmm. in their family goes missing. Shit happens, you know, life changes. And then I like the, uh, I guess you would call it special effect at the end of the trailer where the character actually physically walks into the book and disappears oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i was like wow i was like that's and i mean it's just like a cut frame you know mm-hmm. just like fading in but it's a really good splice job of like old film in order to get that effect to, to, yeah. to take place and i think that's um, something
1: in the trailer i don't i don't recall that actually being in the film
0: oh what a waste then yeah. um <laughs> Well, maybe it was just too hard to replicate Mm -hmm. on a whole bunch of films they only did it for that one trailer just to kind of draw people in because i could imagine the kind of work that would go into that having Mm -hmm. having worked splicing old film together to make
1: movie reels like it could be a bit of a pain in the ass yeah Uh, so that would have taken a lot of work yeah i dig it i dig it I would say just to elaborate on the like the time frame this film came out, a lot of American films of the early 30s, released for the first half of that decade, were really aimed at escapism and you know comedy and adventure and things to to take the moviegoer out of their, you know, their economic situation out of the out of um the way the world was with the depression. So a lot of these screwball comedies, um, these fast-paced um movies were what they were producing at the time. Um obviously as the decade carried on we got involved in the war and so that's when movies started to to halt production or get more serious and so um the thin man is very indicative of the of its time period. Yeah, and you said this was the same person who did the um the Maltese Falcon? Yeah, well the uh, Dashiell Hammett wrote the novel so he wrote the Maltese Oh, Falcon. okay, okay. I got Red you. Harvest, Thin Man. Uh most of his most of his work were like these hard-nosed detective stories, very serious detective stories with the Thin Man is much much lighter in tone
0: yeah I, when they were sitting around the the dinner table and he was like i know who the murderer is yes. <laughs> i was suddenly i got the i got the vibe of it was professor plum with the candlestick yes. <laughs> in the in the cupboard or whatever yes. you know i was yeah. like is yeah. this where clue came from i was
1: like yes. i could see it <laughs> yeah. it's more uh, the characters in this are more important than the mystery. Right, right, right. I like that. I like that. And this
0: is one of your oldest picks, I might add Mm -hmm. to 1934. I really dig the old movies for for one thing in particular. Like, I can't watch old movies for the most part, but Mm -hmm. I do like seeing clips of them and things like this and watching trailers because it's like a true visual time capsule of history. Oh, yeah. Like, Like, we read so many history books and like... Like in undergraduate, my minor was in classical civilizations and it was like ancient Greece uh, was like my big thing. And uh, like we have so much literature about ancient Greece that was written 2000 years ago, but it's like, what did the people actually look like? You know, mm. what, how did they interact? We have no idea, we just guess. But n- n- old movies, like we get to see like what people were doing 100 years ago. We get to listen to their voices, see what they sounded like, how they phrased things, what they thought was appropriate versus inappropriate. So I yeah. love old movies for that because they are true mm. like history time capsules for us. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, yeah, I always dig whenever you bring in <laughs> something old school. Maybe, maybe one day you do a list of like your 10 favorite oldest movies pre-1930. <laughs> I don't know how many there are, but
1: (laughs) (laughs) it would be interesting. It'd be interesting. All right. What you got for number two? Yeah. Number two, uh, wrapping up this little classic Hollywood double feature is um, All That Heaven Allows from 1955. Um, If you only know me through my blog or my presence on uh, these top 10 lists uh it, it will probably be a surprise to you that i'm a huge fan of melodramas and rom- romantic films of a certain kind um I it is a complete love... <laughs> surprise by the way <laughs> i really love like lonely romantic films uh, that have like a societal oppression angle to them i just i love it when um filmmakers from all around the world create these films um, that really show how much our societal structure Um, our norms that we create in these societies really get in the way of our happiness. And uh, one of the best filmmakers to ever do that was Douglas Sirk, uh, a German filmmaker who migrated to the the States during the war. And in the 50s, he created uh, a number of really great melodramas. And this is his best one. Um, Each of the films I picked for this list, I tried to make all the, the, the plot had all focus around Christmas, and this is the only one that doesn't quite take place completely around Christmas, but the second half of the filming of the film takes place during the fall and into winter and Christmas time so uh, majority of it does. Uh, or most of it does have the, the feeling of, of the time of year, uh, but it's about a, a, a middle aged widower who falls in love with our gardener who is half her age and they start a romance and. Rock hudson plays the gardener and they're really getting along but once she decides to let the world know about her romance with this young man she's completely ostracized from her friend group her adult kids uh, don't want her to remarry a man of that age they'd rather her sit at home and you know um not continue to grow as a person, not to exist anymore. And basically, the society, this American society of the 1950s won't allow her to continue her life after the passing of her husband. Um, It's got wonderful uh, metaphorical images in this film, uh, specifically when her kids buy her a TV. They'd rather have her sitting at home watching TV all day as opposed to living her life with this young man. And uh, there's a a scene of the, the salesman pitching to her the tv and the camera pushes in and you see her reflection in the tv is sort of this uh prison of her being stuck inside it's this great this, shot yes this these four uh four walls of the tv and and um yeah it's a beautiful technicolor film and it's just uh you know when it came out it could be called like a weepy or a women's film but it is so good um even for all of its artifice because it's like a, a hollywood studio production um yeah, this is a great film to watch during Christmas, uh, with, you know, a lot of snowy atmosphere and a lot of high emotions. Um, and yeah, so if you've never seen this film, like, I can't recommend it enough. So I had not seen this
0: one, uh, but a fifties widow getting, getting pushback about remarrying after her husband died and, and set at Christmas. And, you know, where do you think you just, People should be happy during Christmas and all of her friends and kids should be happy that she found someone new, but no, because we're in the 1950s and everyone's misogynistic assholes. <laughs> and it's like, I was like, Yeah, this is so messed up, but this is so 1950s America. And and yeah. again, I love older movies for this. They're a time capsule in history to show us just what kind of assholes we've been to each other. Um, and please tell me though, spoil this for me. Does this have a happy ending? Mm-hmm. I want to know. It has a Never mind, don't answer, don't answer. uh, answer. uh, Ambiguously happy
1: ending. (laughs) Okay, okay. That's it doesn't have a it doesn't have a downer, I'll say
0: that. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Right. I was just like, (laughs) but also I was just like wondering, you know, I was I was watching the trailer and and by this, you know, after all the other films that because for listeners, I watch them in order from number 10 to number one. So I've been watching like all these crazy Christmas flicks, and then this film comes on and it seems just like a normal 1950s movie, and I'm I'm really wondering all the way through. I'm like, where is the axe murder? I'm like, <laughs> when is someone's head getting chopped off? But it never came, and, and I was like, what a twist! What a yeah. what a curveball! I was like, Gregory Day, what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah. I was uh, so yes, I was most certainly surprised by this entry, but I wasn't surprised that you found a Christmas flick that showed such. A social commentary about a piece of u.s history and the way that we we treat widows and this really made me think about uh, just a couple months ago i had leila bello uh, uh, walto come on the show and talk mm-hmm. about the treatment of widows around the world and we did touch on uh, we didn't focus on the united states but we did talk about how even widows today in the u.s still feel this kind of pressure in some communities not to remarry like they are viewed in a very specific way and they're discriminated against they're marginalized and this film kind of shows roots of where that came from and it's been around for a very long time and what a horrible time of year too to try and put someone in that box tv prison right during christmas Yeah.
1: yeah
0: so i was i was very interested by this pick for sure for sure good choice all right, and where do you have, coming in at number one, your top Christmas
1: flick? Yeah, this uh, our number one flick is Eyes Wide Shut from 1999, the uh, famous film by Stanley Kubrick. Uh, this film I chose because it's a Christmas tale about heart's desires, the inequality of the sexes, and uh, deep-rooted dissatisfaction with uh, America's wealthy class. And so what's more uh, appropriate for Christmas than all those things? Uh, (laughs) It stars Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise, who are excellent in the film. Um, It's about Dr. Bill Hartford and his wife Alice, who are these wealthy New York socialites. Uh, And um, one night after a party, they get stoned, and they start talking about their sexual desires, and Alice reveals to her husband, her desires um, which he cannot handle and he spirals into a, a jealous sexual odyssey for the rest of the film where he travels out to new york over two nights and tries to get some kind of sexual thrill outside of his marriage and he goes into f- deeper and deeper scenarios to where he accidentally stumbles upon some very strange things happening in new york city um but the movie is is very um, dreamlike and strange and it's all the Christmas uh, ornaments and 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 lights in the city and um, it wasn't actually made in New York, it was made in, in uh, London and so it's got all these fake New York sets uh, the streets are dressed to look like New York and so it's just kind of off all the time like something is not right about the world um, and yeah I think um, this particular kind of film um, where there's a lot of hidden things beneath the surface uh, is' perfect for Christmas because Christmas is in its commercialist commercialist state um there's a lot you know beneath it there's a lot of it's not really necessarily always about the the religious idea or the family um coming together there's a lot of nefarious things to push this idea of christmas uh to make a dollar and so um there is an artifice to it and so i think that supports this film where there's a society where there's this artifice this is society and then when bill starts to investigate or follow his desires um begins to find a lot of ugliness beneath that and so um this is a great christmas film it's a very good drama it's very funny um and it's very strange um and so if you watch one movie on this list, um, I would I would recommend this one because it's uh, it's just a great film, and I know that in certain certain circles I will get pushback on this, but this is by far my favorite Stanley Kubrick film. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you've seen this one before. Um, I think maybe we watched it together. I can't remember, but um, yeah, yeah, we this have. Is, this yeah. is a great great Christmas movie
0: i will i will agree with you i think this is probably my favorite stanley Kubrick. um and for those who know the name look up you know his filmography family uh, stanley Kubrick has like some crazy out there films i'm not going to go down that rabbit hole but i think this film is probably his most accessible to most people like as far as like it won't put them off Mm -hmm. um, and they can kind of relate with it but this film is crazy and i don't want to go too much into it rather than what you already said because i do think even though this is 23 years old i think a lot of people would still watch this and connect with it i don't think it's dated at all really um, i agree. i think the messages still play exceptionally well and of course i mean it is crazy because it is a Kubrick movie like for real of course it has some craziness to it but like oh this this one is a deep one to dig into and like you like you said to heads up for people it's a drama so, like a lot of films today, people people aren't watching many dramas or any slow rolling films. Like this is a kind of like slow roller, but like they have mm-hmm. some some suspenseful, high paced moments. But just be ready to
1: chill with this. Um, yeah. Don't watch it with your family, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would just say that.
1: Okay. Yeah, I will um, say that. Yeah, I feel like we could spend an entire show just talking about this film. So. Uh, go into it cold because there's so many layers to it and so many i mean it's also kind of long it's like two and a half hours um but yeah i feel like you know it it will will um inspire lengthy conversations about what the movie's about what's happening what was true what's not true all that stuff yeah i i love this
0: pick, and i think it is a perfect pick to top off Gregory Day's top ten Christmas flicks. This is so his fill. Ad of a list. I love it. And the fact that you got this one is number one. I think it's a great choice. Great choice. Thank you. But let's jump into our Q and A sections, my friend. And the first one, the easy one, the one you always know coming. You know, why would you pick this list?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I've tried to come here to present a, a kind of a normal list. This is due to Halloween. Uh, there's not much of a Thanksgiving we could do um but why not do Christmas we haven't done Christmas list and it was kind of challenging to try to to find Christmas films uh to present that also fits um you know what I do in my blog um, right right so yeah I wanted to uh, be able to explore that and kind of um uh, go through the gamut of different Christmas films and not just do 10 classic films because they're all kind of so similar um the Hollywood you know typical Christmas movie um and so, yeah, I want to try a to, uh, wide variety and maybe uh, turn to people, folks on who are listening to some uh, alternative Christmas movies, if you will. Right, because everyone just watches the same old Christmas shit
0: every single <laughs> year. Like, yeah. like all the, you know, they're like, oh, 24 hours of this. And I'm like, no, no <laughs> yeah. veto that shit, yes. you know. Yes. So yes. why not put on Gremlins this yeah. year for the children um, <laughs> <laughs> if they're really small don't. But, you know, if yes. they're like little
1: teenagers, introduce them to Gremlins. Yes, yeah.
0: yes all right and what about a few runners up do you have anything that was like it just couldn't make the list
1: yeah yeah well i mean one is the tales from the crypt movie from 1972 i didn't put it on here oh my goodness uh, i couldn't believe <laughs> <laughs> i didn't put it on here because it's three segments and only one of them is about christmas but it's about this christmas maniac um who's terrorizing this wife who's just killed her husband she's trying to get away with the murder within this uh psycho dressed santa claus is terrorizing her um which is a very famous segment and it's great, but it's a little too similar to Black Christmas in that regard. Um, but the big movie I couldn't film this list is The Line in Winter from 1968, um, starring Peter O'Toole and Catherine Hepburn as Henry II and his estranged strange queen, uh, Eleanor of Aquitaine. And he lets her out of prison for the Christmas season and all hell breaks loose in this truly like masterpiece of, of family drama um, centered around the royal family at the time. And so... Um, and this is the probably the best dysfunctional family film I think I can ever imagine. But just the fact really? that it's the, it's the royals during Christmas bickering and that verbal sparring is, is always on the cusp of, of spilling um, into violence. Uh, this is just an, an exceptionally great film.
0: Nice choices. I hadn't heard about that one. Ooh, yeah. um, but the other one for sure. Name it again. What was the first choice? Well,
1: the first choice was uh, the. T- Tales from the Crypt movie. Yes, in that's too. Yeah.
0: And I wanted to tell you, I, I honestly think now, cause I hadn't thought about Tales from the Crypt in forever. And for, for any of you listeners who don't know what Tales of the Crypt is, like it's an old TV show, um, Google it, you'll see. Yeah. But now thinking about it for the first time in a very long time, being forced to watch that stuff as a kid is probably why I don't like horror movies. <laughs> like, really, <laughs> being way too young to watch Tales yeah. from the Crypt and being yeah. shown Tales from the Crypt by an uh, mm-hmm. older brother, horrible human being. Um, <laughs> or, as you like to say, yeah. a good person for yeah. exposing me to yeah. the materials. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Well, there's,
1: the, there's the film, the 70s film, where this Santa Claus segment is in. And then right. when the TV show came out in the 90s, I think it's in the first five episodes or so, they redid the Santa Claus episode. Yeah. Um, they did. Yeah. That's crazy
0: crazy. I hadn't thought about that forever. All right, next question, next question. Do you think holiday flicks are perhaps more important than other movie genres? Meaning like do you think there are do you think of holiday movies as a genre to themselves or do you think that, you know,
1: Christmas flicks just appear in all kinds of genres everywhere? um well i guess so to answer your first question no i don't think they're more important than other genres of film um but i do think that at least christmas is its own genre um at least from a production standpoint because uh if you think about holidays and their relationships to movie making we don't really get a lot of halloween movies coming out maybe because there is a movie called halloween a franchise called halloween but most horror films come out around that time um, But Um a lot of films go into production with the idea of being a christmas movie so i would say it, it is its own genre to an extent um but you can make any thing any genre of movie set at christmas or have christmas um as the backdrop to you know to um prop up the emotions of the story or the setting or whatever you want it to do to support it um so i think any genre can can squeeze in or you know Christmas can squeeze in any genre, but um but I don't think a holiday genre is more important than you know our staple genres gotcha, gotcha yeah i I get
0: into some pretty famous arguments in the past, and uh, not in recently, and thank goodness because yeah. who cares <laughs> they're movies <laughs> yes. but uh, about you know is this movie a Christmas movie or is it a movie with just christmas in it and and mm-hmm. there's a pretty famous. Sc- Argument, and we're going to go into some rapid fire questions for you. And um I'm going to start off with that one, um, the mm-hmm. famous controversial question of, is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? No. Ah, good answer. Correct. I will are say a, that.
1: Oh no, go ahead. Good.
0: Are you a fan of the Grinch? No. What about the remake with Jim Carrey? No. Um. Yes or no to this one, Chevy Chase and Christmas Vacation? No. Are uh, you down with Tim Allen at Santa Claus movies? No. Uh, what about the movie Elf? No. <laughs> it took me a <laughs> second on that one. It was
1: All right. All right. And it is Edward Scissorhands, a Christmas movie or just a fucked up movie? It's just a fucked up movie. Um, to elaborate on like the entire list that I made, and I think it relates to Edward Scissorhands in a way is I wanted Christmas to be an important part of it, which is why I don't think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It's just set during Christmas, but Christmas doesn't really affect the movie all that much. Right, uh, right. Doesn't, doesn't support the emotions of the movie, um, and so forth. But with Edward Scissorhands, there's different seasons in that movie, so I don't consider it a Christmas movie because it does have summer scenes and Halloween scenes and in w- the winter and Christmas scenes. So, um. I don't consider films like that to be Christmas movies either. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's, uh, Edward Sister's Hand is just so crazy. I can't watch it. But I, like, I can't go back and watch it. I can't. Yeah. Um, and that's Tim Burton, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah, it's a craziness. And Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, people. If anyone tells you this Christmas that Die Hard's a Christmas movie, just look at him and pff, snub your nose and walk away. <laughs> don't, don't engage it, no need to, All right, And you can cite us as your source. All right, and one last question for you, the one we always come back to. Why is this list specifically important to you?
1: And why should other people view this list as important as well? Take it away. Yeah, I think uh, what's important to me is I think you can you can gauge from this list that I'm not a particular fan of of Christmas movies, uh, you know the popular Christmas films, the the films that perpetuate um, you know, creates shopping and and stressful family antics and all those sorts of things. Um, but I do love movies set during Christmas that use it for a purpose uh, as a storytelling tool um and so yeah that's the point of this list um and so a lot of these films i love on this list um and they use christmas very well uh but watching other people view this is important you know like i like i just said like you know you don't need to watch a wonderful life a hundred times you don't need to see a christmas story a hundred times so uh turn yourself on to something new and uh there might you know might unlock many other doors to many other wild christmas movies that we didn't even talk about um in your life oh and another good thing too
0: like you want a way to get your relatives to leave your house? <laughs> Put on one of these. Put on yeah. Black Christmas and see what yeah. they say, you know? Put on Gremlin. Well, they might like Gremlins, but there's some other yeah. good, juicy ones that you hear. You could just be like, you know yeah. what? Leave. Oh, just start with Ice Witch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the one I said, don't watch with family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that is a good point. Start yes. with that one. <laughs> well, Gregory Day, before you take off, my friend, why don't you tell the good people at home listening what you got going on lately on the interrebs with Hips her lady
1: yeah. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. We're going to have a couple uh, couple posts going up here pretty soon in the in the coming weeks about uh, one of America's great independent filmmakers who uh, supported himself by making genre movies as an actor. So uh, look out for a couple. I won't spoil it, but look up, look out for a couple of those. So you can compare and contrast their acting career and their directing career. And uh, you can find me at com, and you can find me Hipsville hipsvillead on Instagram
0: excellent thank you so much for coming on my friend as always yeah, thanks for having me and that it's hipsville ad's top 10 list check out our friend gregory day online follow him at hipsville ad everywhere check us both out on instagram to get your local lo-fi and hipsville ad updates always remember that lo-fi Poly-Sci is more than just me it's the we that we be talk to you soon lo-fi listeners pickering and day signing off good night everyone